Welcome to Pagan Coffee Talk. Today we have with us Lady Maya of Ravenwood. She is the High Priestess of Ravenwood Church and Seminary of the Old Religion, based in Atlanta, Georgia. She began her journey as a Wiccan priestess in the late 1980s under the tutelage of Lady Santana, witch queen, elder high priestess, and founder of the Ravenwood tradition. Lady Maya received her third degree and ordination in 2004. Her over 20 years experience running active covens includes founding Title Moon Grove in 2003 and becoming High Priestess of Ravenwood in 2010. Hi, morning. Morning to you too. But we've, we've asked you to be on so you could tell some people of the history of your temple and your teacher, <laughs> your okay. elder, Lady Santana. So tell us what you know. Tell us about Ravenwood and all of this. So Ravenwood is um, in the Atlanta area. We are almost 50, a 50-year-old 50 coven at this point. Um, we have a long-stranding tradition of um, holding an open public space for for the craft. We provide teaching, intensive teaching, actually, for priests and priestesses, but we're also open to the public for educational purposes so that people can understand and learn about what the craft is and um, decide if they want to continue on. I mean, we have folks that continue as non-initiates and initiates and go all up into being ordained ministers. Ravenwood started out kind of as a, not as a direct plan, so to say. They didn't start out planning, oh, we're going to have this open public church. But it kind of came about through just the life history of Lady Santana and where she ended up and kind of what, no, I want to say triggered her. <laughs> yes. So uh, essentially she, she was an entertainer and she came to Atlanta to help out a sick friend and she had been involved with craft through um, some people that she knew in the entertainment business in Ohio, a lady Cersei who founded and ran the Brotherhood and Sisterhood of Wicca up in what, Toledo. What? What time frame are we looking at here? We're looking at 1974, 75, 76. All right. Yeah. This is back when there was nothing open in public. There was no internet. There was no, <laughs> no come right. join our coven. There were very, very few books. The, the books that people had to learn from back then were more about looking at old stories, old myths, and gleaning right. things from very different places to to put together their and get more understanding about what they believed in. But, you know, old craft ladies' eldership was from um, England. Lord Serial came from England. And, oh, wow. Um, I yeah. I didn't know. Yes. And her her initial training came out of an Italian woman, so she learned a lot of Strega, the Strega okay. path back then, too. But, you know, old religionists have a code of ethics, it is their faith. It is in their core, and it is not something they've just gone out and write about. And they feel the gods very deeply. And Lady Santana was learning on this path and ended up in Atlanta with Lady Circe, and they opened up a boutique in little, <laughs> the little Five Points area. And uh, they had a grand press relief, an open house here in this Victorian home they were renting in, in Little Five Points. And three days later, they were both arrested for well, Lady Cersei was arrested for fortune telling because uh -huh. they were they were reading tarot cards in the living room, and undercover popped out and arrested her for fortune telling, <laughs> and arrested Lady Santana for operating a business without a license. Go figure. Yeah, and they ended up in jail, and the Atlanta city jail would not 
say that they were holding two women. They would not admit to holding them after they'd had this big press release and press conference, which was com- which was very confrontational back then. I mean, open public witches, yeah. what's that about, right? So they got the media involved and the media came in to set up cameras in the in the jail to photograph the jailers saying, no, we don't have these people to get them on camera and get them on record. Well, you know, lo and behold, suddenly the jail knew where they were. It was amazing. And uh, <laughs> so they got people involved and they got through those lawsuits. But it really kind of was really a, a religious rights issue because at that point, the tarot is part of our craft. The tarot is part of, of the divinatorial part of our craft. And they felt that it was infringement upon their religious rights. I'd agree. So the battle began. And... Um, <laughs> Through multiple, I mean, I think seven or eight lawsuits, um, they went. They had to establish Wicca as a faith. They had to fight the IRS to get tax exempt status. They had to fight the state of Georgia and Fulton County to get ad valorem on the house, so they didn't have to pay taxes okay. on the house because as a religious place. Because you know, the argument was, well, yes, people live here, but normal churches, normal Christian churches also have mixed use on their property as well. They have gymnasiums, yeah. they have social events, they have, you know, all these different groups coming in and using their space. They have tax exempt, so why don't we? So through many, many battles, we were established as A, a faith, B, valid church. Mm-hmm. And with that comes the rights of any other religious organization in the country. And that was through the state of Georgia Supreme Court, and we were finally granted all those statuses clean and clear in about 1980 around, around now, Alex. Now, from the time this began to the time it actually ended, mm-hmm. how long of a period are we talking about? Three years. That's a lot of time and effort. No, that's a very short time for seven lawsuits. Yes, it's wow, very okay. short. But while this is going on, they had started holding circle before they ever came out with the, the, the original, hey, here we are as a new boutique. They had started holding circle in the backyard in late 75, early 76. So that's when the actual church got started. And it didn't didn't start out as here's this grand plan to be open public church, right? It started out as just a few people getting together. Here's this boutique. And then once it went into notoriety, of course, ladies familiar with the media and very charismatic. So she's like, oh, this is going to be a battle. This is going to be fun. And she dug right in, and it was exhausting. The, the church was under attack from, from locals, and university students would come and pee on the witch's porch, and, and the, the rednecks would come out from you know all over the place, and there's witches in Georgia. Yeah, there's witches. And then Lady Santana would come out in her negligee and her big hair, because like I said, she was an entertainment. She was a burlesque dancer. She used to work that stuff. And they go, oh, well, lady, you know, I'm, I'm you know, and they'd wander off. Um <clears throat> but there was a lot. They had um, people would sit in the bushes at night and guard the house. They were on, they were open twenty four hours a day. There was an open door twenty four hours a day and a big sign out front, which I have downstairs. Okay. Um, and they they took in people that had no place to go. They took in people that had substance abuse. They took in kids that you know lost their parents, runaways, and they would reunite. They would reunite these these kids or their parents, and they would heal a lot of broken people that would just, you know, kind of drawn to this place. They did a lot of community service in Little Five Points, which rather a bohemian kind of area of Atlanta, and they embraced their witches. 
So when, when all these lawsuits would go on, the people of Little Five Points would go in with petitions and things saying, leave our witches alone. We love our witches. And they would have these huge Sabbaths. People would come from all over the place and and join up and experience it. In I think it was 79, they did a hand fasting that was public in the AJC covered it and had all these pictures of the hand fasting and because it because it's it's a marriage it's it's legal to do that it's just our different way so there was a lot of press that went on there was a lot of protection that went on it was high alert it was crisis every day because you never know who was coming at you for what but at the same time there'd be musicians that would come in in the middle you know do concerts in atlanta and they'd come in in the middle of the night you know, they're because they were craft, right? And they were from California right. or wherever, and they would just kind of show up and say, you know, hi, I'm fill in the blank, which I'm not going to do on, you know, I'm not going to expose who was around back then. But there were a lot of people that would come in in the middle of the night after doing gigs or whatever in the Atlanta area and just kind of meet up with the lady. And, you know, lady had a lot of contact. She had a lot of support from the overall art, overarching craft elder community to do this from across the country and actually across the world. Sybil Leak was supportive. At one point she was working with Gavin and Ron Frost. We're not the Frost tradition, but they were very supportive of what she did. Um, essentially she did a, a psychic seminary. I'm trying to think of the name of it, but it was in like 79 and she brought okay. all these craft elders together and there were long discussions about, is this the time for craft to go public? Because before then, there was no public craft, period. No. Vows of secrecy kept it under wraps, and it was very progressive and avant-garde to suddenly say, let's go public. Let's make this a thing. And Lady Santana felt very strongly that dignity needed to be brought back, respect needed to be brought back, ethics needed to be brought into this, because at that time, starting in the late 60s, early 70s, there was a whole lot of loosey-goosey paganism going on. Yep. And a lot of it had had some not so great or dignified aspects to it. And she felt that that was not the way of craft because it's there's a lot more ethics to it. And it's not a, a free love, free sex society. It's not. Yeah. I mean, you live with the laws of the land. You know, we our traditions don't come down the Gardnerian line. Not all the Gardnerians. Don't get me wrong, but we're not right. Gardnerian. <laughs> we come down the Robert Cochran line. In fact, Robert Cochran was the one that turned that coined the term Gardnerian. He's the one that right. started calling that. <laughs> and and there's a different aspect on how craft is looked at from Robert Cochran to the Gardnerians to the Alexandrians. Everybody has a different flavor of all of it. And each of these branches, you know, there's a lot more branches of traditional craft than that. I'm not oh, leading anybody yes. out. All had a set of ethics and still do to this day. And through that set of ethics, she felt that it needed to be more public so that you could see that there are ethics behind this faith and bring it out of the broom closet, so to speak. And that she did. <laughs> and that she did. She did. She did. So it all kind of culminated. All this was going on in a three-year period. <clears throat> which tells right. you a lot, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. and when she started these fights, she got the ACLU involved. There were people across the, the country involved. Lady Liberty League was founded with, with Selena Fox. So there was a lot of civil rights, religious rights going on at that time within craft. And the, those lawsuits were used as precedent across the, the country for other states and other covens to come out of the broom closet. 
in which they did. <laughs> they did. They did. I mean, I can remember several, I can remember in the, in the late eighties, several groups coming in early nineties from across the country to consult with her on these lawsuits and these cases because they use it as precedent, which I think is, it's, it's astounding. When you look back at what they did you kind of, in some ways like, yeah, yeah. Okay. So they had to get, they had to get, you know, certified to be a real church. That's easy. Well, no, it wasn't. No, back no it's not. No. It is now because of her work and because oh, yes. of the work of this church. But Ravenwood's been around for a long, long time. I mean, I'll be, honestly, I think we're hitting 50 years and two years now. We started circling wow. in 76, 77. Right. We had a 40 year realize. anniversary party at 40. So now we're hitting 50 in a couple of years. <laughs> when do you hit 100? Uh, no, <laughs> that would be great, but that won't be me. Um, <laughs> but Lady was, um, after they were on Moreland for a long time, Lady's health took a dive and they moved to Alabama for some time. And then they came back into the Atlanta area in 89, 88. Okay. And then moved several places and then ended up on rainbow drive which they're kind of called the golden period because we got so big at that time yeah uh i can remember coming in and there that's about when i joined up they were 35 40 active initiates at that time so it, it was a big dang okay. group yes and then uh we continued on and and you know there was a new set of classes starting up every four months with 30 people in them uh <laughs> and there's a lot of attrition in those classes because they're pretty hardcore they're not they're not real easy and people's lives start changing and growing. And when you're, when you're hit with a change in perspective of life, your life starts changing. Oh yeah. People come in, people come out, new jobs, we move, we, this, we, that relationships change. And it's a lot of spiritual growth that goes on during the adoption of new perspectives. Well, so I've, I've told that. classes would have a whole lot of attrition. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've told all my, all my students, you know, I, I'm sorry, I don't say how in the world you can hide this religion from people when you're learning it. It just changes you so much. Right. And you may not have a pentagram around your neck. No. Right. But you go through changes. Uh-huh. And, and you know, I think the, the modern terms for this now are shadow work, where you're, yeah. you know, yes. Digging down and changing things. And I'm okay with that term because really yeah. it is. It's the things that we don't know within our brain that are coming out and getting cleaned out so that we can grow and learn more. But anyway, back to Ravenwood before I start going on that. Um, <laughs> so um, Lady Satana retired in 96, 95, 96. Lord Starhawk was the high priest for a while. And then there was a council of seven third degrees that ran the church for a while and then uh, there was a hive. So we, yeah. we had a hive in 2000, which started another group called Oak Spring, the House of Oak Spring. Okay. And then Ravenwood continued under the leadership of Lady Lorena and Lord Galen. And then in 2010, I was asked to take the range. And now it's under um, myself and Lord Aragorn. Yay. So <laughs> at this point, there's a whole bunch of groups that are either, there's, there's groups that are associated directly with the tradition. And then there's a lot of lineage groups around as well. And, yes. you know, we are supportive of, you know, all these different folks and their good works as well. So I think that's been very successful, messy at times, but yeah. So there's right now, what, one, two, five groups underneath the umbrella of the tradition. And 
lineage groups. Uh, one, two, three. There's more than three. And there's a lot of people in the Atlanta area that um, came through our doors. I mean, essentially, if you've been in craft for any time in Atlanta, especially in the 70s and 80s, you hit Ravenwood's doors at some point. Right. I mean, you know, it's well, just the way it is. Huh? Yeah. And, and I was going to ask for people who don't know, could you explain the difference between what, what could you explain what a lineage group is? Lineage group is someone that's come through and had your training and has decided to go off on their own and take the training that they've gotten and create something that I would say is not exactly in the same swim lane <laughs> as you're in, but it's beautiful and wonderful on its own and grows on its own. In other words, it's been modified a little bit right. from the original swim lane. Cause I, I mean, as the high priestess of Ravenwood, I hold the swim lane. So this is the way this goes, but we have other groups that have incorporated other things in and lineage groups are people that have come through over the years and started their own beautiful thing with the basis of Ravenwood's teachings. And honestly, most of them teach the same classes, whether they've been updated or modified or added to, you know, if I go to a circle of one of the lineage groups, I recognize the circle building process. I recognize the teachings. I recognize all these things, but they're just a slight, they're just different. Just slightly different. Nothing wrong, nothing like that. It's just different. Well, it's, it's it's like we've we've said for the longest time, you know, this is a adaptive religion. Yes. You know, we, we have to adapt in order to grow in order to survive. And yes, you know, so that makes perfect sense. And I think I would add something to that though, that I think people, that haven't been through a process under a teacher. It's not real obvious, but it's an experiential faith. Yes. Yes. It is what you experience and you learn and grow through your experiences, which is why we're all so very different, which is why if you picked up my traditions book of shadows, it's sitting in my living room and you read it thinking you're going to get the keys to the kingdom. It's going to mean nothing to you. Nothing. Because you haven't experienced it and you don't understand Mm -hmm. what all is in there. And you can say that for any faith. You know, the the things you can't talk about. You can't put words on them. Everything else is just a secret. (laughs) I mean, I I have read some of these books of shadows by some other elders. And you're right. I I couldn't make sense out of it to begin with. Mm Mm-mm. You'd probably look at mine going, well, it's firewood. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, I'm, uh, so I'm carrying the banner. It's been 13 years now. I've been a high priestess for 20. I started my own group first, a little group called Tidal Moon Grove. Uh Uh-huh. And, um, I've been in craft for over 30, so... You know, so let, it, let, let, let me let me let me ask you a question right quick. Uh, mm-hmm. From neophyte mm-hmm. all the way up to high priestess or third mm-hmm. degree mm-hmm. time span. How long does it there, take? Believe it or not, it's an average of thirteen years. Thank you. <laughs> if not more, I mean, I've known people that were neophytes for seventeen years before they ever took the step. The oh first yeah. Time. You know, you're always you're never ready for your first or your third. You're always ready for your second. So, yeah. 
Well, and then even <laughs> after those initiatory, even after those initiatory um, experiences, there's a whole energetic shift that takes years to get through for that shift. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you get to third, that's a seven year energetic shift. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's a very rough and long process to go through, but I think it's worth it. <laughs> I do too. I've, I've, it's, it's meant the world to me. It's made me a lot about who I am. It's made me understand my world a lot better. It's given me peace. It's given me much more open heart than I probably would have had. had I just sat there and did nothing. So, um, even when I'm sitting there with your group, I can, I can tell the affection and, you know, family connections between you and your other coven members. I mean, y'all truly care about each other. Mm -hmm, We do. We do. We're a spiritual family without the (laughs) Kool-Aid. And, you know, we, we've always said vote with your feet. I I won't hold anyone here. That's not the way craft works. No one's required to be here or or, nor am I required to keep you here. Mm -hmm. Um, Works both ways. Right. So, um, but yeah, we are a spiritual family. We do support each other, and and but we're not up in each other's business. We come together for spiritual purposes, and I've always said, leave the outside at the door. Don't bring me your politic. I mean, there's there's been some set rules with all the stuff that's going on in the world of what we will and will not consider topic of topics of conversation here. We come from very different political uh, backgrounds and and ideologies. Well, we we we. We're on different sides of the fence with the whole COVID thing. I mean, but I, don't bring it in here. I don't want to hear it. I don't. Because that's not why we're here. This is supposed to be no. a safe, safe, safe spiritual place where you can express yes. yourself spiritually. Or if you have a an issue with something you're working through, you you can speak of it and you're not going to get heckled or blackballed or, no. you know, treated What's you know? You see people joke each other all the time. I go to these covens sometimes, and everybody's throwing insults at each other in a joking spirit. That's the death of a coven because that's it's mean spirited, and it's not why you're there, right? So there's there's a decorum, should I say, and there's a protocol of how we relate to each other and how we interact with each other that I think is core of craft because yes. without that, your structures fall apart. Definitely. I guess it might be our area, but there is this community here. We do have respect for each other. No, we don't agree, but there's a lot of things we don't agree on spiritually and all this other stuff. But I think it's amazing how well we all do get along with each other outside of that. Yeah. I have ne- I've never felt unwelcome in y'all's circle whatsoever. <laughs> You're always welcome. So, you know... I, Things are different. I don't see why in the world we have to argue over those things. Well, I mean, it's interesting because we all worship the Lord and Lady, and we do it differently. And right, wrong, and different. Everyone is. I've I've always had the belief, and it's part of our teachings that everyone is where they're supposed to be. Meaning, meaning, if where you are energetically with your soul, your your higher self, everything else, wherever you are. The universe is going to put you where you need to learn your next lesson. And if that next lesson is from a leader, I put quotes around leader at this point, that has quirks and scars and is not the best of leader, you're still supposed to be there to learn something. 
it's not that it's wrong. Everyone is where they're supposed to be to learn what they're supposed to be. We've always said that people come in to this life and maybe they have no exposure to anything spiritual and our vein whatsoever. And maybe the next life they get a little bit of it. And maybe the next life they get a little bit more. Not that everybody is supposed to be exposed to this. That's not the case. But, you know, through lifetimes of work, these energy states change with us as we evolve because we are a reincarnation. We do believe in reincarnation, whether it's this faith or another faith or, you know, whatever have you. But Ravenwood has always kind of taken the tact that people come for a while and they get what they need, and then they they go on and do what's next. Now, that process, I believe, also happens in the non-traditional world. It also happens in the folks that have read three books and now call themselves a high priestess. It yeah. it's it, there's there's lessons on all that level, but I do believe that the universe does spin people out when they've learned what they need to do. Not not on a death perspective, but it just finds other interests. Yeah. It kind of puts things in the path so that you take what you've learned and I'll go apply it someplace else. So all this public craft and online craft and zoom rituals, which don't ask me, I can't figure that shit out. All that stuff has its place and has its purpose, but the light of the traditional groups and that deeper knowledge is still shining as a beacon for people. I've found that a lot of the people that come into this group are coming from other places and they've learned other habits. And it's a part of my, part of my job is to fix some of the bad habits and help them through learning what they help them understand what they've already learned. But it's, it's just the way that it is. People come, people go, people in, people out, but there's always going to be that core that stays, stays, stays. Very oh, yes. supportive. So, after 50 years of Ravenwood mm-hmm. being here, what is what, what is their um, public persona now in your area compared to what it was? How much has it improved? Has it gotten any worse? It's not about improved or worse. There is was such a push within pop Wicca, should I say, of traditionalists are bad. Yeah. Right. So we've got that stigma. But at the same time, we're not as out there as we used to be. So we're kind of like unicorns. You don't see very many of us. <laughs> um, I mean, we, can we can be found. Right. Yes. And you'd be surprised how many people I get emails from that say, hey, my husband, I'm interested in craft. My husband said to go find you. Or my wife said she had heard about you 30 years ago. <laughs> Go look them up. And people come in that way. It's very, very interesting for that. But, you know, I, there's a there's a little shop up here that I go into. And whenever I come in, the owner is like, oh, it's Lady Maya from Ravenwood. And so she kind of announces me, but not in like a hair. Oh, it's not that. And she kind of <laughs> introduces me around. So people kind of go, oh, you guys do still exist. Well, of course we do. But we're not out doing, you know, rituals in Piedmont Park, which we never did do. But. We were involved with Atlanta Pagan Pride for a while. Uh, we sponsored right. it. We didn't run it. And that's kind of not been done for the last couple of years. But we were around. I mean, we, we all kind of network with each other. But as far as Ravenwood's reputation, it all depends on who you talk to. Because there was some <laughs> stuff that went down with, with Lady Santana and other people. And, you know, there's baggage. Yeah. And But most everybody 
holds to the, the to the same one core thing is the training at Ravenwood is the best you'll receive. Now, I'm saying that, but is <laughs> I it's the best I've received, but it's the only I've received. So I you know, I don't go out and do comparisons of everybody else's training, but I can see evidence of it. But I do know that we provide some of the best training in this country for craft. So people come looking for that as well. You know, I have always felt like, well, there's a statement that says that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And so people come out of the blue sometimes and, and oh, it's time in their life to do this. And they, they are attracted somehow to us. They find us and sure enough, they stick. I mean, so, don't yeah. get me wrong. I, I, it's always seems to have been the thing in the community that y'all have always been the gold star standard of covens of training that's, and all that's that. That's a huge statement. That's a very I mean, honestly, this was, the, this was the impression I've always gotten from Lord Men and all of this. Of course, stuff. from Lord Men, yes. <laughs> you know, but again, even from Lord Lou and some others, y'all always seemed to be the gold standard of training and stuff like this in the area. We do provide excellent training. I will tell you that. Yes, and it takes years. Yes, and and <laughs> I'm honored and humbled to be a steward of that. You I mean, know, I really consider myself a steward. Hmm? That's a lot to take upon your shoulders too, because you got how many people running around under you, roughly well, across the f- five groups. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> We're not as big as we used to be. I put it that way. Right. I can't well, handle me, that many people. I've always said I, I can't handle that. I can't handle over a certain amount of people. So, well, now let me ask you this: from when you first started to now, mm-hmm. what's mm-hmm. the biggest difference in craft that you have seen? From when I first started in the eighties, yeah, to now, I think with the internet, social media, and all these "quote unquote" authors, it's good to see people jacked up and interested in craft. Yes. It's bad to see people getting egos fed, personal egos fed with this, I'm a this and I'm a that when you're not from my definition. Um, I think that there's, if I look across the books that are out there right now and the, the the resource materials available for people that are just seeking and searching. I don't see any difference in the information in the books. No. From 30 years ago. No. So so the the inner knowledge of this stuff is still not published. No. Which is where it should be. So I think people are learning. I think people are making money off it, but actually it's not a lot of money making it. I think then people are learning and growing and getting glimpses of craft. And with as popular as it's been for the last two, 10 years, I'm really interested to see what happens 20 years from now. Because what happens is people get involved in their teens and their early 20s. Yeah. They get through college. Mm-hmm. They're still interested at that point, but life sideswipes them. They get married, they have kids, they have a career. So 20 years later, they go, huh, there was this thing that I was really interested in 20 years ago. Let me get serious about it. And that's when they come find me. Yeah. Or a knee facsimile. <laughs> and they go, yeah, I did this stuff 20 years ago and I studied and still love this stuff. And now I want to follow back up on it. I think that's fascinating. 
I think it's fascinating that like I'm a, I'm a magical herbalist. I've been doing magical herbalism for 30 something years. I think it's interesting that if you look across all the different published herbals now that every herb is good for everything. Cause this one, this one, I find that fascinating. I find there's a lot of whitewashing of information. I find there's a lot of disinformation out there and People are learning and growing what they need to learn and grow. I mean, that, that's what I, that goes back to that you are where you're supposed to be thing. But the difference is, is the openness of it. I yeah. mean, it was very controversial when we went open public. And that was, you know, in the 80s. So now it's commonplace. People just put their little banner out and there they are. Nobody thinks of it anymore. Nobody realizes where that, why they're actually right. able to do that. Now, I personally was not involved in that fight. I was not in. I was not at Ravenwood back then. Right. I can speak to it to some extent, but I did not live through that. I was a, a little young at the time. <laughs> a little young. A little young at the time. We were all young back then. <laughs> I mean, I was eleven. I mean, I was too young. I mean, I got into craft at twenty-two, maybe. <laughs> That, that's about the same time I did. About yeah. 22, 20, 22, 23. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that is about the time. And, yes, we do seem to have a, a lot of older people coming to classes instead of young. We do. At one point in my in my history of running a group, I, well, the state, actually, Lord Ben said this. He said, <laughs> he, said he says, lady, you don't have elderly. <laughs> now, now, how much of a difference is between trying to teach these 22-year-olds Mm -hmm. And these older people that are a little bit more mature and gotten some roots. The younger folks have a lot more influences coming in. They're very malleable because they're, they're open-minded. They're open for growth. They're open to learn this out of the other. And sometimes you have to help them simmer it down. The common core with both of them is they have to do the work. If you're going to go through, you know, I don't know how many classes and you don't even know what the elements are. You're, you're not in the right place because you're not driven enough to go study it, go study, learn, work with it. We also live in a very, very busy society. Yes. So both sets have to work with scheduling and scheduling is the biggest time eater of what I do is trying to figure out when to get all these people together. Yeah, but I find that the materials that we teach in our in our in, in our teachings are apply equally to both of them. I don't think there's a, a difference really with how the two of them, the two different sets of. I don't think age has anything to do with it, so to speak. Okay. But I don't, I mean, I don't have really. I don't have really really young folks that don't have any life underneath them. You got to have some life underneath you to do this. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, yes. you know, if you're just popping out of your mama's house, you can you can adopt the faith, yeah, but you don't have some of the scars that you need to really get your feet there, underneath you. There's something about going out there and scraping your knees and got to do it. <laughs> Part of life, you know. Growing up, I'm not saying that they can't be great followers of the faith at that age. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying my experience has been the lessons and the teachings that we do work much better for folks that have a level of maturity. Yes, and really take it serious and take that time. Is there anything else about Ravenwood you'd like to share? Well, if you're in the Atlanta area and you're interested, <laughs> please do. You know, drop me drop me a line. I'm on Facebook at Lady at um, My Ravenwood. 
Mm-hmm. And we also have our website, www.ravenwoodchurch.org, which is an old clunky website that needs to be updated, but our contact information is out there. Um, a little bad net in the descriptions. Okay. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another episode. Pagan Coffee Talk is brought to you by Life Temple and Seminary. Please visit us at lifetempleseminary.org for more information, as well as links to our social media. Facebook, Discord, Twitter, YouTube, and Reddit. We travel down this trodden path, the maze of stone and mire. Just hold my hand as we pass by a sea of blazing pyres. And so it is the end of our days, so walk with me till morning breaks. And so it is the end of our days, so walk with me till morning breaks.